Part two, chapter nine of the Luggage of Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April six zero nine zero, California, United States of America. The Luggage of Life by Frank W. Borum. Part two, chapter nine. Our rubbish heaps. The great bush solitudes had taken the place of the bustling streets. He, an Australian minister on holiday, rested on a fallen tree beside the dusty track. He raised his hat to the loveliness and bathed his brow in the loneliness that pervaded everything. It was with him as when a great steamer stops in mid-ocean to allow her engines to cool. The thud of the propeller, the vibration of the machinery, are felt no longer. The stillness is uncanny. He drew from his breast pocket his Bible, and, his mind recurring to his own attempts to build the city of God among the haunts of men, he turned to the stately old story of Nehemiah. He read on, undisturbed by the drowsy hum of insects and the merrier song of birds, until arrested by Sambalay's question, What do these feeble Jews? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? It was an awakening phrase, a revival from a rubbish heap. He laid the open Bible on the mossy log beside him and lost himself in contemplation. And, even as he pondered, a new object presented itself to his hungry mind. From the depths of the bush on the distant hillside, great wreathing columns of smoke curled skywards, occasionally shot through by fierce flashes of flame. Straining his ears to listen, he caught the crash of falling trees, and thought he could detect the crackle and roar of the fires as the monsters yielded themselves to the devouring element. Straining his eyes to see, he dimly discerned the figures of men, moving here and there, superintending the work of demolition and destruction. They were clearing away the maple and the myrtle, the wattle and the gum, to make room for the apple and the apricot, the peach tree and the pear and the preacher, as he watched, caught himself echoing Sanballe's question. Will they bring a revival out of a rubbish heap? Will they obtain riches from refuse? These were companion pictures, this picture in the Bible, and this picture in the bush, and, as he gazed upon them side by side, several clear-cut thoughts emerged. He saw the rubbish heaps fill a large place in the domestic economy of a world like this, and he saw that an element of such enormous magnitude must be governed by laws. Refuse must have its fixed rules. The slack heap must have its statuettes. They have. There is the law of deterioration. From the picture in the Bible and the picture in the bush, it becomes clear that all material things, though as sacred as the temple or as natural as the forest flowers, are on their way to the rubbish heap. It sounds like a death knell to the materialist. Materialism, unmasked, appears as the religion of the rubbish heap. It is heavy tidings, too, for the ritualist. For ritualism stands in perilous relationship to the rubbish heap. Now, abideth what? Altars? Vestments? Crosses? Creeds? Catechisms? Confessions? Now abideth faith, hope, love, these three, and the greatest of these is love. The moth is in our fairest fabrics and our holiest temples tottered to their fall. 
and as some spake of the temple how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts jesus said as for these things which ye behold the days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be cast down that is significant it is well to set our affections on the things for which the rubbish heap can have no terrors there is the law of occupation for nehemiah in the one picture and the settler in the other find the ground not fallow but occupied moss and lichen cover every stone giant trees twining creepers shapely ferns and waving grasses fight for every inch of soil rank weeds and spear-like leaves peer out from all the interstices every crack and cranny every corner and crevice is occupied nature abhors a vacuum wherever the foot of man has failed to tread wherever the hand of man has failed to labor god's innumerable and invisible agriculturists plough and harrow sow and reap and produce the bewildering beauties of the bush hannibal's military precept of preoccupation dominates the rubbish heap the moss and the lichen are on the stones of jerusalem because no nehemiah has come to build the city the wattle and the gum abound on the hillside simply because no man has planted apricots or pears is it not ever so the mind becomes a wilderness of foul imaginations because clean and wholesome thoughts have not been planted there the heart becomes like jerusalem a wilderness and a desolation because the kingdom of christ has never been established there evil evolves where good evacuates there is the law of elevation the question is what makes rubbish rubbish the term is obviously not absolute but relative a lady's hat is a milliner's dream to-day to-morrow a new style having come in it is its mistress's despair what has so suddenly changed delight to disgust and made the fashion of yesterday the folly of to-day it is the new style and it is always the new style whether of dresses or of dreadnoughts that flings the satisfaction of one day to the slag heap of the next what has made the maple and the laurel look like rubbish to the settler the parrots and the kangaroos see no change to account for his vandalism the aboriginals did not find it necessary to hack down trees and fire the undergrowth why then this fury of axe and torch and gunpowder it is the conception of an orchard that has done it that is the new style a man dreams of apples and he burns the virgin bush then in his orchard he sees the glint of gold the soil is auriferous the fruit trees become firewood that he may seize the precious metal later on in peril of a watery grave he flings his very gold into the ocean that he may save his life bush fruit gold each in their turn become rubbish flung to the slag heap by the alluring force of a higher attraction nor is life itself the last stage the martyrs cheerfully threw even life away fascinated by still greater wealth had not paul his rubbish heap he counted all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of christ jesus his lord for whom he had suffered the loss of all things and did count them but dung that he might win christ the rubbish heap can have no grander word written of it than that there is the law of transformation god makes his loveliest roses out of rubbish the charred ashes of yesterday's bush nourish the roots of to-morrow's orchard if the refuse 
of the ages had been allowed to accumulate the world would be uninhabitable the air would be heavy with pestilence we bury our rubbish and it all comes back to us in fruits and flowers its resurrection body is divine it is just here that the church finds her most acute problem in every community there are crowds of people who have gone to the wall they feel crushed and beaten under our fierce competitive system the iron law of the survival of the fittest has flung them on the social slag heap and they know it they hate the churches because the churches are old and they think that if the churches had done their duty things would not be as they are they forget that if the churches had not done their duty things would be ten thousand times worse than they are they snatch at every social quackery and political panacea now the church's mission is to do for this ruined mass what nehemiah did for the rubbish heaps of jerusalem to build out of them the city of god will they bring a revival out of a rubbish heap asked sanvalet of course a rubbish heap is god's raw material a revival is his finished product let the church get to work she alone is equipped for so divine a duty if she fail her collapse will be the disaster of the ages in that melancholy event this social rubbish heap will become like all untransformed rubbish heaps the menace of mankind and the peril of the world in it all pestilential fever germs will breed and multiply anarchisms and revolutions will fill the air with shrieks and screams but the church of jesus christ knows how to transform this mass of refuse into a field of roses paul understood the magic secret he looked upon the unbridled lust the grinding tyranny and the hideous idolatry of the city of the caesars and was unabashed and he gave his reason the gospel he said is the power of god unto transformation he saw that the foulest filth of rome might become the fairest fragrance of the new jerusalem End of part two, chapter nine.